He's going to preach to us. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome this pulpit again tonight. God bless you, Brother Philip. Love you, man. Appreciate you. Lift your voice with a shout of praise and give Jesus your best praise. Come on. Give him your best praise. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be back in God's house one more time and to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Psalms, chapter 46, 47, 48. I'm not going to read them all. We're just going to kind of read through them a little bit. And um, I will tell you, uh, this is going to be a two-part deal. There ain't no way I can get this all into one service, and um, some of y'all, just you wouldn't be able to hang with me, and uh, I wouldn't be able to hang with myself tonight. And how about that? And uh, but um, and so to keep from preaching an hour and forty-five minutes, and somebody said, "Thank you, Jesus," uh, I'm going to break this up into two parts, and so tomorrow night. We'll just kind of pick up. Is, is that all right if we do that? If we just pick up tomorrow night where we leave off tonight. And so wherever we get to, uh, we'll just kind of pick up right where we left off and continue on in the Word of God. I love you, Brother Moore. I appreciate you, and I appreciate this church. And I'm thankful for the truth that it stands for. Amen. Amen. That's in order. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's read some of Psalms 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. How many believe that? Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams thereof shall make glad the city of our God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. So to verse 40, or chapter 47, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. Well, that's a new twist on it, ain't it? He is great. I wish I had time to teach you a whole Bible study just right there on that one word. But uh, we don't tonight. He is great and king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us. Let me just tell you, when God chooses your inheritance for you, it's better than what you could have ever chosen. Yeah, I don't have time to preach that either. I'm going to tell you, this Bible's got some stuff to preach in it. It's just the way it works. Let's go to chapter 48. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city, the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. Now, I'm not going to take much time to read many more scriptures, but I want you to kind of get in the flow of what's happening here and if you have your, your Bible not in, in uh, digital format, which I'm totally fine with that, but if you have your Bible tonight, you will notice that on top of every one of these psalms there is an inscription, 
And the inscription, most of them read something along the lines, to the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah. Anybody see that in your Bible? I just want to talk to us tonight. And again, this is going to be a two-part deal, but about the songs of the sons of Korah. The songs of the sons of Korah. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands to heaven and ask the Lord to move in this house? God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you, God, tonight in spirit and in truth. And we thank you, God, because you've been so good to your people. You're better to us than we can even imagine. God, I thank you, Lord, for your anointing that destroys every yoke. Help us, God. Change us and challenge us in this house tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you give the Lord another hand clap of praise tonight? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. These songs to the sons of Korah have been the centerpiece of uh, opening remarks for preachers for decades. And it is, these, these songs are written with the, the words to uh, kind of get the attention of a worshiper. These songs are written to get the attention to someone that might be sitting on the pew and just trying to go through the motions of church. And so these songs are wrote so that you'll come to your senses spiritually. And when you come to your senses, you understand that there is one thing to do, and that is to worship the one true living God. But I, I want to take a moment tonight and talk about the historical points of this, because if you don't get this, you won't get what I'm going to preach tonight, and you won't get what I'm going to preach tomorrow night. And so you have to understand who these songs are for, who's singing these songs. A lot of these songs are attributed to David. However, uh, when you go and study the Word of God, you will find that a lot of times they were written under the name of David or in, uh, in tandem with David. However, most of them were written and all of them were sung by the sons of Korah. I would tonight that you would picture yourself with me as we go on a journey back to Solomon's temple. And picture with me all of the fine linens, the gold, the silver, the brass. I'm talking about, now I want you to get a grasp on this, a one billion, billion is in boy, billion dollar building in today's world. I don't know of any in the world that cost a billion dollars. Now I'm, I'm, I'm talking about something that's, that's greater than the Taj Mahal and greater than the White House. I'm talking about something that, that is more ornate than Notre Dame. I'm talking about a temple, a house of God that is so expensive. And let's just be honest, in, in our thinking of today, it would most probably be gaudy, gold, silver, fine linens. And this song is designed to capture your attention as you're walking into this building, there would be a gatekeeper standing there and he would be singing with the choir on the inside. Some of them 
might be singing. And they would, they would begin in Psalms, some of them Psalms 45, and then go through Psalms 46, 47, 48. Then they would jump over to the to the daily psalms, the Psalms 120, and they would begin to sing those 12 psalms that were daily songs of worship. And, and so the, these songs are meant to bring you back down to earth and get you to realize it's not about the gold, but it's about the glory. It's not about the building, but it's about the God of the building. But there, there are some things about these scriptures here that are interesting to me. One, again, is that this text or these group of scriptures are being written by an unnamed man. I don't know who he is. Nobody knows who he is. But they are being written by an unnamed group of men, rather, is the better way to put it, that nobody even thought enough about them to write their name down in Scripture like we do for David. This is a song of David. This is a song of Asaph. This is a song of Moses. This is a song and so on and so forth. But that doesn't happen for these young men. They are just simply unnamed sons of Korah, wonderful musicians, talented in so many different ways, important jobs in the house of the Lord. They are the worship leaders of the original church. We're just getting into this stuff now, and we're kind of, we finally think we've arrived, and we've got people to worship, lead worship. But I'm going to tell you, this, these were the original worship leaders in the house of God. And, and so their, their job, the temple singers, they, they, they would come again. They would come every day and they would begin in Psalms chapter 120 and sing those 15 chapters, Psalms 120 to Psalms 135. And they would begin with stuff like, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. And then they would say, now may Israel say. And then Israel would repeat the song, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. And so then they would begin to sing the song of how when men rose up against us, God made a way. They came to an important place in the house of God, singing about what God has done and singing about how God has brought his people out, singing about how he had delivered them. I'm going to tell you, I never get tired singing the songs of Zion. I never get tired talking about how God brought me out. I never... I don't know where God brought you from. I don't have to know where God brought you from. But I know where God brought me from. And I never get tired talking about it. And I'm sorry if I get on your nerves. But I'm telling you, my testimony is something I'm not willing to let go of. And these men had a revelation that it's not just about my testimony. But every day, sometimes twice a day, they would go to church and they would sing their testimony of how God had brought them out. I'm telling you. We need to get back to that in the house of God. Every time I come to church, I've come with a testimony. I've come with praise. I've come with a song that God has been good to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so what, what we do know about these young men, we know that they're a name. We don't know a whole lot about them, but what we do know they are connected to the book of Numbers chapter uh, 16 where the Bible tells the story of a man by the name of Korah who unfortunately Korah did not realize his importance in the kingdom of God. The Bible, Moses calls them men of renown. An Old Testament term to describe men of power. 
men of authority, men of might, famous in the congregation, Moses would say. And unfortunately, these men made the decision to cross the man of God. Is it all right if I take my time tonight? And they, they basically said, Moses, you, you think too much of yourself. And so Moses begins to preach, and unknowingly, Moses is preaching their funeral, and the earth opens up, and it swallows Korah. And, and the Bible says, and all that pertaineth unto Korah was swallowed up with him. From Numbers chapter 16, it looks as if everything that Korah had was gone. However, Numbers chapter 26, 10 chapters later, it tells us that the sons of Korah died not. Now, I, I don't want to add to or take away from Scripture, but what we do know is that something had to happen. We understand that everything connected to Korah has been swallowed. However, the sons of Korah died not letting me know, letting you know, letting everyone that will pick up the word of God and read know that there was something that happened either that day or a few days before where these young men distanced themselves from their father. These young men stood up at the edge of the tent and they were basically looking death in the face. They were listening to their father badmouth the preacher and they looked at their father and said, Daddy, I know this is how you feel, but this isn't how I feel. Can I tell you that these men would lead a holy rebellion against their own father while he was slandering the man of God and while he was standing up they would walk away and while he was saying it doesn't take all of that, they were saying I believe what the preacher says and while daddy was saying it, it, you're not going to have to do that to get to heaven they were saying no but the preacher said this is what it's going to have to take for me to get to heaven while he was saying you don't need to go up there and worship they were listening to the songs of Zion and saying there's something inside of me that realizes I must worship hallelujah you have to understand that Korah Korah was the guardian. He was the bearer of precious items in the house of the Lord. And what we find in Numbers chapter 16 is basically Korah doesn't want to do his job anymore. Korah's tired of going to church and, and doing the same thing every time he goes to church. And, and, and while he is begrudging his job and begrudging going to church and, and begrudging all the things that he has to do at the church, uh, his sons were saying, Daddy, you might not want to do that, uh, but there's something inside of me that wants to do that. Can I tell you assuredly tonight that I thank God for third and fourth and tenth generation Pentecost, uh, but there's this thing about God. God, where God doesn't have any grandkids. Uh, you see, you got to give this for yourself. Uh, and you can't ride your mama and your daddy's coattail on what... No, 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 that's not how it works, friend. But you got to get a relationship with him that says if my mama and daddy walk away, I'm not walking away. If they say they don't want to be a part of the church, that's okay. That's their decision. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
understand that these men are standing on the sidelines as the earth opens up and Korah gets a one-way ticket to hell, fire, and brimstone. And they realize in this moment that while their daddy was bad-mouthing and talking about the preacher and the earth swallowed them up, that literally them stepping to the side and standing with their man of God has saved their lives. Some would even argue that the very first statement that the sons of Korah would ever make, the very first psalm that you read about them in your Bible, Psalms chapter 42 and verse 1, is a direct connection to what happens in Numbers chapter 16. As a son of Korah who is nameless, who never gets any credit, who never gets his name put in lights, he sits down and he writes the words, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. It was sang by the descendants of a rebellious man that died because he didn't want anything to do with the service to the house of God. And the very first line of the very first song was my mama might not want you and my daddy might not want you but as the deer panteth after the water so I'm desperate for you. My my friends might turn away but I'm not turning away the whole church might walk away but I'm not turning away because I'm desperate for you God in the morning when I rise give me Jesus late at night in the midnight hour give me Jesus I'm desperate for the Lord hallelujah you Hear me refer to this as we go through this two-part deal is they were worshipers and they were warriors. And so the, the, the goal for us tonight and the goal for, for anyone that comes into the house of God is to learn how to balance the worshiper and the warrior. There comes a point in every man and every woman and every boy and girl's life that they understand that I can be in proximity to the church. I can be in proximity to the tabernacle. Understand, it was Korah's job to, to protect the tabernacle of the Lord. And he understood he was a warrior. It was his job to stand at the door with a sword. But the problem was is because he had been a warrior for so long that he forgot that he was, he was born to be a warrior, but he was called to be a worshiper. He was born to stand in front of the tent and to protect what's inside but he was called to fall down on his knees and to worship the God of the tent that he was protecting. The issue with for Korah is because he got so used to the church, he got so used to the tabernacle that he let the warrior overrun the worshiper in him. My God, let it be in this house that as, as we fight this battle, as we fight the good fight of faith, God, don't ever let us forget that we're warriors by birth, but we're worshipers by calling. I'm called to worship in you. Help me to preach this how you gave it to me. God, I can't just go to church and be a halfway worshiper. I'm called. I'm anointed. I'm set aside to be a worshiper. 
Numbers chapter 16 and verse 9. It is the words of Moses, but it's really the words of God. Seemeth it but a small thing unto you. He's talking to Korah. That God, the God of Israel, has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord. Korah, don't you realize out of all the people, three to six million people in this company, God chose you. Out of all the people in the world, he chose you. And you think it but just a small thing because you've got so used to doing your job and it's just church as usual. I'm preaching to somebody right now that came to church tonight on a Wednesday night and, and, and let's just take all the masquerade down and let's just tell the truth is you're here because it's what we do on Wednesday. But I'm preaching to a Korah right now and I'm trying to save you from destruction and get you to understand it's more than a job. It's more than just with this is what we do because we're apostolic. It's more than this is what I've been, you know, I know if I don't show up, pastor's going to get on my case. No, it's more than that, Korah. You got to get the revelation that God chose you out of all the people that he could have chosen. God laid his hand on you out of all the people he could have laid his, he let you come to the house of God tonight. How many people died in a car wreck uh, and God stayed the hand of death from you? Uh, how many people didn't make it back after they backslid uh, but God let you make it back? Uh, how many people uh, are lost and undone uh, and God chose you? Seemeth it but a small thing to you, Cora, because you've just got so used to the church. According to Numbers chapter 4, Verse 9 through 11, the Bible lets us know that there is a job description that is given to Korah. The Bible says that Aaron and his sons would break down the tabernacle to be moved. There's order to this. They didn't just go through this business. This was sacred. This was so sacred, if you did it the wrong way, you dropped dead. You think they wasn't paying attention to how they did this? You go and read it. The linens had a certain way that they had to be folded. I'm going to tell you what, that God of the Old Testament, he meant business. It had certain ways it had to be folded. And if you didn't do it right, zap! Oh, I sure am thankful for a New Testament. Because <laughs> I'd have been zapped a whole, whole long time ago. Sometimes I don't know how y'all feel, but sometimes I just can't get it right. Sometimes I just can't do it right. Thank God for mercy and grace. But 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 this God had he had divine order and he had divine details. And so he he told them, he said, Aaron is gonna go into the most holy place and into the holy of holies and, and, and into the inner court and he's going to take all of the all of the furniture. He's going to take all of the anointing vials and he's going to take all of these things and he's going to wrap them up. Take these things and wrap them up and when he wraps them up, then he's going to call for the sons of Korah to come in and they're going to take these, these anointing vials and they're not, you can't even, they're so holy Korah you can't touch them. Go, go read Numbers. Go, go, go read it. Go read the job description that he's given. It's so holy that you can't touch it. 
And so the Bible says that they'll take this, this pouch, this leather pouch now, and they'll, they'll put it on their shoulders, and they'll carry it. And here's the interesting thing about this that sticks out to me. Nobody in the congregation knows what's in the pouch. Nobody's seen. Nope. None of the ordinary people have seen what's inside that purple pouch. Go read it. And so Korah doesn't even know what he's carrying. Korah's backing up. He's, I know I'm carrying it kind of different tonight than they would carry it, but literally they would tie this onto a bar to a dowel rod, and they would put this upon their shoulders. Now, there, there's this thing about Korah's job. Can I, can I just give you a Bible study right now? Can we just go through the Word of God? There was this thing about Korah's job. It was different than the Girgashites, and, uh, which was their cousins. You see, their cousins, all they did was carry around tent poles, and so they got to put their stuff on the carts. But not the sons of Korah. Not Korah and his brethren. They carried their stuff on their shoulders. Because anointing was never designed to be on carts. You can ask David about that. You can get really mixed up when you start trying to put the anointing of God on the carts. The anointing of, you see, and this is why. Because as long as you've got the anointing on a cart, you can control which way it goes and what it does and what it doesn't do. But the moment you get the anointing off the cart and on your shoulders, now it's not in your hands. Now it's on your shoulders. Now you're carrying the weight of it. And this is what's interesting to me. While nobody in the congregation but the Levites knew what was going on, the Bible lets us know that Korah was begrudging. He was having to carry this around. This isn't fair. This isn't glamorous. I, why don't I get one of the cool jobs like Aaron and his sons? Why can't I carry something that's flashy? But what he doesn't know is if the, what he's carrying right now, if that's not in there, then the altar doesn't work. If what he's carrying it doesn't go from point A to point B, then the Ark of the Covenant has no power because before it's ever to be, oh, help me, Jesus, uh, before it's ever set in the place of the Holy of Holies uh, and judgment is turned to wrath, uh, it's got to be anointed by the vials uh, that he's been carrying around in a purple sack. Uh, my God, Korah, don't you realize uh, that I know it's flashy to be Aaron uh, and it's cool to carry the Ark of the Covenant, uh, but don't you realize that that stuff doesn't work uh, if you don't carry around the anointing uh, that nobody can see. Nobody knew what it looked like. It was just a burden. It was heavy. I'm tired of carrying around this preacher. Can I tell you, if your anointing is authentic, it's going to start out just like Korah's did. When the congregation looks at it, all they're going to see is a burden. But when the Levite looks underneath, he knows what's in that pouch. He knows what's in. Nobody else knows, but the preacher knows. Nobody else knows. Oh, well, that, that's just brother so-and-so. They're just up there at the church a couple hours a day. And, and you know what's happening? They're carrying a burden. But what you don't realize is the, the Levite's looking uh, and he sees what's in the pouch. Uh, he knows what's on the bow rod. Uh, and while no, it's just a commoner's job, uh, all they're doing is vacuuming the church. Uh, all they're doing is setting out new tissue boxes. No, honey, it's more than that. Uh, you're setting up the anointing. Something that simple? Yes. Uh, something that simple. Uh, don't begrudge uh, the burden you've been asked to carry. Uh, don't get upset uh, at the burden you've been Asked to carry. It's an anointing. It's a power. It's something that's going to destroy the yoke. His problem. He watched as Moses anointed Aaron. 
And the issue with Korah is he don't want the anointing on his shoulders. He wants the anointing in his hands. Because as long as it's in my hands, then I can control how much anointing Aaron gets. <laughs> oh, I could preach this seven different, different ways, but I'll just preach it one tonight and we'll save the rest for later. If I can control the anointing, then I can control how much anointing that Aaron, you understand who Aaron is? He's the priest. He's the preacher. So I, I don't want it on my shoulders. I want it in my hands. Because then I can control what the preacher does and how much liberty he has in my life and how much liberty he doesn't have. And so I can control. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now in the Holy Ghost. I can control how much liberty he has to pastor me. Oh, come on, somebody. I, I can control how much he has, how much liberty he has over my children. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't take everything, and, and I understand that there, there's a whole other message in this, but I, I believe tonight that you have a pure man of God. I believe that you have a man of God that wants the will of God and revival more than he wants anything else in the world. And with that being said, Cora, if you don't take everything you have and let the anointing be on your shoulders and not in your hands and let the anointing just decide which way you go and not you decide how much anointing is used, then you're going to be swallowed up. The worldliness is going to take you in. The world is going to destroy you from the top of your head to the soles. Of, I'm telling you, the world always has its arms open wide. The world will always take you in, Cora. It's just waiting on you to rebel. It's just waiting on you to decide. But I'm telling you, there's got to be a song that out of a son of Korah it would be his second song Psalms chapter 84 and verse 10 for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell he was saying look I know that's my own daddy but I'd rather spend one day at the house of the Lord I'd rather spend one day with the anointing of God on my life than I would spend a thousand days uh, sitting in the tents uh, of the wicked. Cor, you don't get it. Because you can't see prophetically into the future unless you get this anointing on your shoulders and not on your hands. You don't get you want the anointing all to be in your hands so you can control who gets anointed and who don't. But can I tell you that there's gonna be a son of Korah one day, according to, to the genealogy of first and second Samuel? He will be a man, a prophet of God. His name will be Samuel. He will be first Chronicles, you can go read it. He will be a son of Korah. And when the time comes that there's gonna be a king that's gonna be anointed. It's going to be a son of Korah. You want to know why? Because somebody made up in their mind, I don't care if anybody knows who my what my name is. I don't care if anybody knows my position. I don't care what. I, all I want to do is be enthralled with the house of God. All I want to do is get in where the presence of the Lord is. I want to carry the anointing on my shoulders. I, 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 I want it even though my friends walk away. I want it even though my family walks away. Just give me the anointing. Now the job for Cor and his brethren, am I preaching too long tonight? 
I know y'all got things to do. I, I, I get it. I, it's, it's a busy world. I, listen, ain't nobody any more tired than me. I've been up since 9 o'clock yesterday morning. So just, how you doing? Can, can I preach till I get done? All right. Korah was his job. He didn't just carry the anointing oil. The Bible lets us know that he would carry the brazen altar. There's a difference here between the anointing and the brazen altar. Because while the congregation didn't know what the anointing vials looked like, none of them had ever seen it, everybody in the kingdom knew what the altar of sacrifice looked like. Because they had all stood there when their sins were being professed by Aaron and his sons. They had all brought an oxen. They had all brought a ram. They had all brought a dove. They had all said, you, you think you got it bad? You want to think about that? They, they had to bring, there were certain, you go read Leviticus, you go read through Numbers. It tells you that there were certain animals that you had to bring for certain sins. Imagine walking up to the preacher and you got a certain animal and everybody's looking and saying, mm-hmm. Know what he did. It's in your Bible. Yeah. So that's where you were last week. Yeah. You weren't on that bass boat after all, were you, buddy? I mean, you're having to stand in line. Everybody, it was a place that they had come to dread. They had to come and stand and deal with the shame and deal with the disgrace that they had brought on their family. Everybody knew what that altar of sacrifice looked like. And I can see Cora saying, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this because it's, it's the same thing. It's got to be covered in a purple garment. It's, it's like a leather wrap that's put upon it. And, and, and it's, it's the altar of sacrifice. And so Cora, you, you take the rods and you, you run it through the rings the same way and you carry that altar of sacrifice sacrifice. Can I tell you that nobody may know what your anointing looks like, but everybody knows what sacrifice looks like. And while you're carrying around that altar of sacrifice, all of the congregation knows what you've got underneath the blanket. And I know, Corey, it's not as pretty as the Ark of God. It's not as pretty as the Ark of the Covenant because it doesn't have any gold and it doesn't have any silver. But can I tell you, Corey, that there's coming a day where that where I'm not going to need the Ark of the Covenant anymore because what's under that purple garment what's under that purple leather is going to be revealed because when you go to the cross you'll find that he was wearing a purple robe and so Korah can I tell you there's coming a day I'm not going to need Aaron to go behind the veil anymore there's coming a day I'm not going to need Aaron to step behind there and sprinkle the blood but because I'm going to roll back the purple garment and I'm going to reveal myself as a sacrifice and so I'm here to tell you, Cora, I might not ever need Aaron again, but I'll always need a worshiper. I'll always need somebody who knows how to sacrifice. I'll always need somebody that'll go to the altar and lay themselves down. It's hidden under the cloth, but go ahead, Cora, and carry it. Go ahead and carry the burden. There's got to be a son of Korah that says, my daddy might not want to carry the load of sacrifice, but I want the load. Load me up, God. My God, I need something that's going to give me power. Go ahead and put the sacrifice on me. 
type and the shadow of Jesus Christ. Every day he's upset because he's got to carry it around. And little does he know he's carrying around the Old Testament embodiment of Jesus Christ himself. But Cora got upset because now it's just a job. It's just what we do. We go to church and we pray a little bit and we we give a little bit in the offering because it's what we do. We we carry around the sacrifice every now and again because it's what we do. We we worship and we dance because it's it's just what we do. But Cora, I'm reaching for you tonight because I'm telling you, the world is waiting to swallow you up with that mindset. The world is waiting to engulf you with the mindset of it's just a job. Tell you what, I don't ever want living to living for God to be a job. God help me. Help me to preach to myself and Help me to hear my own words as you've anointed my lips tonight. Help me to realize it's more. There's got to be passion to this stuff, Cora. You, you, you just can't go to church to go to church. Let me tell you something. That's why you're so unfulfilled and living for God. That's why you're not happy when you're in the church. I just feel to say this and you you let it go wherever it wants to go and if you get mad at me you can just get mad at God because I I wouldn't say this to offend anybody you can take it however you want it but I, I, I don't like the rules and regulations well that's because you don't have a relationship all you see is the job shifting into a season where the veil will be ripped in twain And mercy will literally be released from behind the veil. And I'm not giving it to people that are caught up on the gold of the Ark of the Covenant. I'm giving it to people who will crawl up under the purple garment that's covering the Ark of Sacrifice. And say whatever it takes. Howbeit the sons of Korah died. Uh, Do you know how many songs we've wrote out of the Psalms that are listed to the songs of Korah? You know how many songs, I'm talking about modern songs, I'm talking about hymns, spiritual songs, that the Bible teaches us to strengthen ourselves and sing to one another are all derived from a couple boys while daddy said I don't want anything to do with this church business he said we do daddy said I'll just go to church and sit on the pew and the boy said daddy I gotta go to the front of the church I wish I had time to preach that I, 
I, I can't just be, musicians come, I'm, I'm closing. We'll, we'll, we'll pick up right here tomorrow night and we'll, we'll finish this thing out. But I, I'm, I'm not looking. God is not looking for somebody that's just happy to be average and ordinary and mundane. Because we, we shout about it. Hey, I, don't tell me you don't because I've done seen you do it. You'd be lying. We shout about revival, building new buildings. We shout about the interest of the backsliders we've lost. Well, we did it last week. I'm telling you, every demon in Bendale was running, looking for a hole to get in. But you want to know how that happens? When a son of Korah resists the mundane, the average, and the ordinary, and says, I won't be anointed. Here, I'm, I'm going to give you a way to get the anointing. You know how we always say, well, you know, the anointing breaks the yoke, and you hear preachers get up and say, no, 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 that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the anointing destroys the yoke. And that is what the Bible says. But the same book, book of Isaiah, that says anointing destroys the yoke, it says that fasting, oh, Lord, there's that word. Fasting breaks the yoke. Korah, it's your job to be anointed, but can I tell you that the anointing will never destroy a yoke that you haven't broken? It ain't going to happen. Oh, I thought the anointing was just going to come down and crush everything. No, not until you break it. Not until you do your part, Korah. Not till you get under the load. Can I tell you, I, if, if my daddy was here, he'd say it like this. One mule can't pull no wagon by himself. So you can't expect the pastor to come to church and him to be the only one that's under the load of sacrifice and under the load of the anointing. No, it takes multiple. As a matter of fact, it took 50 to 100. Some, some even say there was up to 1,000 Korathites that were all working at the same time to move the house of God just to get it from point A to point you want this thing to go forward? Then you got to do your part. Stand with me. I'm closing. I'm done. All right, so we'll pick up tomorrow night right here where we left off. We've, we've talked about worshipers. We'll talk about warriors tomorrow night. But my, my, my question is, is there a Korah? Is there a son of Korah in this house tonight that will step out of the aisle, make their way to an altar and say, you know what? If nobody else in this church wants it, God, I want it. And if it comes with the price of a burden of prayer, then I want, come on, would you make your way now? Would you make, come on. God, if it comes with getting up in the middle of the night to pray, then, then I want the burden. If it, if it comes with pushing the plate back, even though pastor didn't call a fast, then, then I want the burden because I want the anointing to be on my shoulders and not just on my hands. Come on, the world world will take you in anytime. It's arms open wide. Just waiting for you to say, hey, I, here I am. Come on. It, it, the world's waiting on you to, to be like Korah and reject the anointing and reject the burden and reject. But I'm telling somebody tonight, if you'll, if you'll come to the Lord, if you'll just come and lay your burdens down, if you'll come give God a chance. <laughs> come on. Come on, come on. Ooh. We'll ask you, would you lift your voice more than the average or ordinary? Come on, would you 
Would you make that prayer out loud? Would you pray until that song begins to bubble up inside of you? Sacrifice of praise and 
in the name of Jesus. 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 Receive ye the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, Lord.
Better it's one day in your court. Better it's one day in your house. Better it's one day in your court. A thousand elsewhere. Better is one day. Better is one day. Better is one day. Better, better, better. Better, better. Better, better. Better promises. Better promises. Better sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Better is one day. Better is one day. Better is one day. Be soaked. Our hearts 
Why don't we just take a moment and enjoy the presence of the Lord. God's working in Bendale. What a word we've heard again tonight. We focus upon that call. Call to be a worshiper. Call to be a servant. Igniting the joy. Finding contentment wherever that's at. Not looking and worrying about this one or that one, but in that companionship with, with our maker, with our creator. Finding that place to get under the load and get under the burden, but yet a burden that we take on with a joy. Scripture says a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's nothing like walking in this beautiful light. Nothing like having the peace of God saturating your heart and mind and spirit. It's nothing like when the enemy attacks your home that you got God to help you battle that. Stir up the call again. Stir it up, God. As we humble ourselves unto him, we're living in a time, we're living in a setting of a stage for a revival that'll blow this community's mind, for a visitation of God and the power of God, the, 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 the way that God works and operates to set free and to deliver, bring us together, unite us together. There's no doubt the enemy's doing everything he can to cause division and separation and destroy, but he's not going to win. We know who we worship, and we know how to worship. If we'll just humble ourselves, push that plate back, and spend some time in prayer, come and worship in God. Folks, there's no telling what's going to happen in this place tomorrow night. I'd, I'd leave this place with that on my mind. God, you help me not to drift too far off tomorrow. I got things I got to do, and God knows that. But Lord, you help me keep my mind close enough by and my heart and spirit that through periodically through the day tomorrow, I'd, I'd be calling on you and say, God, you're going to show up in this place tomorrow night. You're going to walk up and down these aisles. and. I'm going to respond. I'm going to reach out and get a hold of it. Not just for myself, but for my neighbor too. For my friend and even for my enemy because that's what it's all. Come on, that's what Nehemiah told him. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for your family. But all said and done, you got to do it for yourself. But you know what? God's working. I'm telling you, God's working. One way I know he's working because the devil's working so hard, doing everything he can, but it's not going to be enough. It never has been, and it never will be. To them, it's got their minds made up, their hearts sold out to let the Holy Ghost have its way. It's not a time to sit back. It's not a time to, no. Man, I'm going to come expecting lifting our voices. Pray for a good evangelist wore out and
working day and night and doing, but God's going to be with him and help him. Amen. Anybody enjoy the word tonight? Praise God. And I'm telling you what, he preached to us. He preached to us. Praise God. Amen. Love you tonight. Appreciate you so much. Your response and faithfulness of being here. Be back tomorrow night, 6.30 prayer time, 7 o'clock service time. Let me make this announcement. Brother Sanford texted me the day and wanted me to call him. I called him. He's got COVID. So we need to pray for him. His wife had it last week. He's got it this week. So he won't be here Sunday. I left the door open. I told him I'm going to pray for him. He'd be all right. Just come on. But uh, he said he better not. So I said, okay. And uh, he worried about giving it to some of us. You know, I believe God can draw lines now. That's just me. That's just me. You may get it at Walmart, but you don't have to get it here. And I know some of you are a little hesitant about agreeing with me on that. That's okay, too, though. <laughs> I mean, we're going to believe this or we're not. I mean... I mean, it's not out of the Bible. I mean, he done it for Israel. There was a period of time, but he started drawing the line. It fall on those Egyptians, but it didn't fall on them Hebrews. Huh. I'm serving the same God. Same God. Same God. And I believe he's more in the New Testament, if, it's, if that was possible, <laughs> than he was in the Old Testament. I know he's a lot more full of mercy and grace and long-suffering, kindness and generous and all that. <laughs> Amen. He didn't put up with a whole lot in the Old Testament. I mean, if they just try to just touch the ark and just try to balance it. So anyway, but so we're changing Sunday. Uh, either I'll be here preaching or somebody, but we will have Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then we'll go back to regular Wednesday night. Okay, we won't have a Monday night service. We'll go back to our regular Wednesday night service. Okay, so then Brother Phillips will be back with us the following Sunday, and then the following Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which is the fourth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. If I got it right. I'm trying to remember that. Anyway, it's a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for sure. All right. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless you. You're dismissing the fear of the Lord.